Hey, everybody, with the Super Bowl winding down, want to make sure you're still aware of betonline.ag. We got March Madness coming up. To me, it's the greatest postseason sporting event that there is. Uh, a ton of bets, a ton of props. Uh, I actually like to take parlays in the NCAA tournament. Some people think I'm crazy. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's betonline.ag. Their online casino is always open. You've got the NBA. We're going to get Major League Baseball here down the road. So a lot going on. So make sure you check them out just because the Super Bowl is over. Regardless of how you did, don't forget our friends at betonline.ag. So check them out and tell them J-Boy sent you. All right, Faison, roll the intro. Let's give the people what they want. You are listening to The J-Boy Show, your number one source for Auburn and the SEC. My goal was to run through his soul and grab his heart when I, when I run through his soul. Through his soul. Kurt, Nate, Coach Dad. Those are memories. memories. I think we've established ourselves as, I think, the premier conference in college football. College football. Now, the SEC is, is, is better at the top. It's better in the middle. It's- the Southeastern Conference remains the premier conference. Yeah. I think this is probably the best league from a competitive venue standpoint. They have the most capable team. You just look at those programs, the way they recruit, how they invest. Snap to Burrow. Three steps. Fires. Back corner of the end zone. Over the shoulder. Catch. Did he hold on? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the J-Boy Show. Uh, Excited to bring on a a coach that has coached at the highest level of college basketball, has coached in the SEC, has a winning record in the NCAA tournament, two-time SEC Coach of the Year, Sunbelt Coach of the Year. Uh, You remember him from LSU, and that's Coach John Brady. Coach Brady, I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, glad to be a part of it. Definitely, and I want to start – uh, obviously in the SEC and, and with where we stand today, and, and I keep saying over and over and over, my audience probably gets tired of it. I think the SEC is very talented. I think within the next three to five years, they could easily become the most dominant conference in basketball. And I see a ton of young talent that is probably returning. And it's not uh, Cam Thomas at LSU, I'm sure, is going to be a, a top pick. I know uh, Marcus Moody uh, at Arkansas is probably going to be a lottery pick. But outside of that, when you look around the league, Coach, I see a ton of young talent, I see a ton of great coaches, and I see a very bright future. Well, it's hard to predict uh, on the recruits and the players and how they developed. And really, sometimes I get confused about what the NBA is really drafting to or drafting for. Um, they take a lot of these players maybe on the come and, and not who they are right now, but who they think they can be. And and I think it hurts all the major leagues, you know, a player just staying one year or two years, you know, back when players would stay for four years or so, the fans could identify with them and watch them grow and watch them develop. But today that's not the case. So you really have to recruit uh, almost sometimes like it's a junior college program, uh, counting on your players for two years. And if you're playing at that level, you're going to always lose a couple to the draft. But there are a lot of good players in the SEC and to speak on the coaches, I really think there are some outstanding coaches in the league. I think, uh, you know, a few years ago, the league struggled a little bit because I think, uh, you know, some schools made uh, not the correct hire. But I think recently, 
the schools have made some really good hires. There are some really good coaches, and really, there are a lot of good coaches. There's some good young coaches, but really, there's a lot of coaches that are older, experienced, that have played at that level, been successful at that level, and are doing really well. So, uh, I think the SEC will always be one of the top three leagues in the country. Uh, you know, regardless of whether the players stay or leave or, or whatever the talent is, because these guys that are coaching here now can really coach and they know how to recruit as well. Uh, that's a great point, and it is tough to tell sometimes what the NBA is drafting for. I remember, you know, Sky Labissier being taken so high, and I didn't watch him really do anything at Kentucky. And I know they draft on potential and analytics, and this guy, you know, is this big and can do this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, you know, I think you can either play or you can. It's really not a very complicated game when it comes down to it. But, Coach, you, you know, when you look at – you talk about the guys going one and done and not getting that experience uh, – Obviously, it's affected the tournament, and I love the NCAA basketball tournament. I'll keep saying I think it's the best postseason in any sport in the history of the world. March Madness is is on its own, and that's coming from a guy that that coached football. And uh, I always love watching the teams with veteran guards because those are the teams that typically, in my opinion, go the furthest. They can control the pace of the game. They're not overwhelmed by a situation or a certain defense zone or man that they see. Can you talk about just how big of an advantage it is? And it's obvious that experience is an advantage, but at those guard spots, those guys that control the tempo. Well, I think if you look back at the really successful teams, most of them have been based in in really good guard play, decision-making, making clutch baskets, hitting late-game free throws, and let's not forget on the other end, they've, they've got to be pretty good defenders as well. You know, a lot of times defending is overlooked, particularly today's game when everybody's shooting a three and shooting it quick and playing fast. I think the good defensive teams still stand on their own, but guard play has always been important to go deep in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. And and once you get to a certain level and you get to, uh, let's say you win the first game in the NCAA tournament, you start going deep into that particular environment. Unless you have some players uh, who can make plays on their own, I think you're going to struggle. You know, the, the game is so many games are exposed on TV, scouting. Uh, you know, there's not really a game that anybody in the SEC plays that's not televised in some way. So the preparation is there. And then sometimes the coaching with the preparation, you better have some players who can break out of the mold and make plays on their own. And usually those plays are made uh, by really good guards. And that's why uh, successful teams that win a national championship most of the time is based on good guard play. Yeah, without a doubt, Coach, I think you encapsulated that perfectly. And uh, when you look at the game now, I've talked with this about Sonny Smith, obviously former coach at Auburn, some other coaches around the league, current and past. And how much of a difference is it, you know, today and and, uh, as opposed to to in the past where the coaches called the plays a lot from the sideline? Now it looks to me like the point guards most of the time on, on some of these teams, especially the elite teams, are the ones actually calling the plays instead of the coaches. Have you noticed that? Is that kind of a transition that you've seen, or is that something that's really always been there and we just haven't really noticed it? Well, what I've seen the last two or three years is I don't think anybody calls plays. Uh, I think it's more of a free-flowing game, and, and I would I venture to say, because I do the color with the LSU basketball team, yeah. and I travel with them, and I see all the, the coaches and all the styles of play. Uh, but I don't know of many coaches now that know who is shooting the ball, when, and from where. I think it, it's. I think they just allow the players to make decisions. 
space the floor, set ball screens, have some movement, but they're not a lot of uh, screens away from the ball anymore. Most of the screens are taking place on the ball, and and it's up and down the floor, and and you've got to have players that can make plays, and there's really not a back to the basket guy as much. You know, I, I always wonder. Uh, the great Shaquille O'Neal that played at LSU in today's game in college, would he even touch the ball? I mean, they don't throw it in there. So it's a different type of game, but I really don't think there's a lot of play calling. I think it's a lot of players making plays, spreading the floor, and the coaches allowing sometimes, you know, not good shots taken because they're married to the three-point line. The more threes you make, you can shoot a less percentage and score as many points. Uh, you know, I've always thought that the quality of the shot led to the scoring of the points, not necessarily the number of shots. So it's a different way to play. And uh, there's still some coaches, you know, Missouri in this league, Tennessee in this league, that really try to play more half court. They'll take the break if it's there, but they're really half court offensive teams and really very, very good half court defensive teams, which, which I think that's what separates Alabama. When I watch Alabama, mm-hmm. they like to play quick. Uh, they got it handed to them the other day because they weren't making three-pointers, but they had a chance to still win the game 68-61 because I think Alabama defends on the other end. There's so much talk about offense now. I think really, really good teams that also win at a high level are good half-court defensive teams as well. Uh, I agree. I think that's been the biggest stepping stone because Alabama, you remember last year, coach, they were making threes at a pretty big rate. The way Shackelford was shooting, obviously they didn't have Primo. Uh, Bruner uh, didn't have him. And I think that's been a big loss for them as well. I know he's still out a couple weeks, kind of takes away that stretch big man uh, outside of Alex Reese. But I agree with you, coach. I mean, not only just the half court set, but I think Alabama's defense in transition has gotten a lot of better outside of Herb Jones. John Petty is actually attempting to play defense a little bit this year, which with his length and athletic Athleticism, he, I think he could actually be a pretty good defender. Uh, but when I watch Alabama and I, I watch that style, because really that's kind of what we're talking about is the style, the the identity of your team. Uh, do you think some teams, Coach, and, and I want to get into specifics, do get lost in that offensive flow and it really throws off the rhythm of their defense when they have to get it set in the half court if a team's slowing down or they're not used to having to communicate like that when it's actually slowed down? Well, I, I think if you, you know, Alabama on average shoots the ball every 14 seconds. They're like the second or third or fourth fast, fastest shooting team in, in the country. And a lot of times teams that practice like that and, 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 and you go up and down the floor in a practice situation, unless the coach is really into guarding for extended periods of time, they don't ever guard very long. I mean, you know, you they guard 12, 14 seconds. The other team shoots it. They go the other way, and they look to shoot it quick. So uh, discipline defending is not really worked on in the practice unless the coach recognizes we're going to need to guard some teams 20, 25 seconds in the half court, so we have to work on that in the half court mm-hmm. and just have segments in the practice based on getting back, stopping the ball, guarding for 25 or 30 seconds. So a lot of times teams that, that, that play quick and play fast, they don't put the detail in the defense on the other end because they never ever do it in the practice. So I think that's the difference in Alabama and a few other teams like that. They, they, they love the three-point line, and their offense is, is, you know, is based on the making of threes and shooting of threes or driving and shooting a layup. 
But I think in the Alabama case, what I have noticed is what we talked about. The difference in their team is the way they defend in the half court mm-hmm. for extended periods of time. And then defend also without fouling and finishing a possession by rebounding the ball. I think, I think teams that do that consistently can always make the game workable. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And, and Coach, I do, I want to stay with specific teams. You look at Auburn, I want to get to LSU in a minute, uh, but you look at Auburn and the difference that Sharif Cooper has made on that team offensively. Uh, I keep saying when he's in there, they're, they're like, offensively it's more like a Van Gogh or a Monet or a Warhol, and then you take him out, and it looks like a four-year-old stole a magic marker out of the parents' room and drew, drew all over the bathroom wall. Just how much of a difference has Sharif Cooper? I know you've seen a lot of really good players, Coach, a lot of guys that had natural feel, that had natural vision. How much does Sharif Cooper change Auburn, and then how much does he stand out to you individually? Well, he's playing for the perfect coach. You know, I, I think I think Bruce Pearl, along with a couple other guys, they 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 don't mind a player that that has to have the ball all the time and and make plays off of what he does. And and their offense certainly is geared around this young man, and he is extremely talented. Uh, not only can he score, he also I think sometimes when point guards can score, they overlook their ability to pass the ball and see the floor. And this guy can certainly do that. Uh, but what he's brought to Auburn, he's given them a chance to beat anybody in the league now. Um, you know, I told Bruce Pearl last year when they, they went to the Final Four and they came to play LSU a couple of times, I thought that was that was Bruce's best defensive team I've ever seen him have. And I coached against him when he was at Tennessee and I was at LSU, and I followed his teams. But I thought last year the difference in Auburn was their ability to score – and they play freely on offense, but also on the other end, they were a really good defensive team. This team is not quite as good as that team defensively, although they've developed an, an identity of blocking shots a little bit because they are athletic. Uh, but with this point guard on this team, and if they decide to really defend as that team did last year, I think down the stretch here, the last seven or eight games, you know, Auburn can cause some problems for a lot of people. Hey, everybody, going to get back to the show real quick. Just want to let you guys know, obviously, uh, we are a totally free service uh, trying to make a transition into video. I've talked about this, getting in uh, to a studio and being able to do some video breakdown. I've gotten millions of DMs, I swear, about doing it. It's something I want to be able to give to y'all. So we are taking donations uh, on Venmo at Jacob-Crane-3. Uh, you can also go to thejboyshow.com and you'll see our support button, uh, the PayPal button, uh, if you'd like to donate. Uh, would really appreciate it. Uh, again, I just want to grow the show to keep seeing how big we can get and keep seeing how much free content we can give you guys uh, while being laser focused in many areas. So if you do like what we're doing um, uh, and you want to help out the show, uh, we'd really appreciate it on Venmo. It's Jacob-Crane, that's C-R-A-I-N-3, or the thejboyshow.com. Click the support PayPal button. Really appreciate uh, you guys. Y'all know how much I love y'all. Y'all are the best audience in the world. And we are just starting this bad boy. I cannot wait to see uh, how big it grows. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, and it, again, it's it, it is a good point with that young of a team still kind of learning the the defensive side of the ball. And I, I do think guys like Bryce Brown and even Jared Harper, who in my opinion was one of the best guys at drawing charges or push offs mm-hmm. or hooks that I've ever seen. And uh, I want to segue that because LSU's got got a guy too that to me from an, a scoring standpoint is so above and beyond a lot of guys at this level of college basketball. And that's Cam Thomas. I know there's some parts of his game uh, that he has to work on, but just offensively, 
the angles that he's able to create for himself and then make shots, not only from the perimeter, but floaters, mid-range, driving. Uh, the kid's really special. Well, he is a, it is an excellent talent. I think, you know, if you really study what he's done in SEC play, though, his, his three-point shooting in SEC play is around 27%. His field goal percentage in SEC play is around 36%. Now, that being said... Uh, he's allowed to shoot the ball really by Coach Wade whenever he really feels like he wants to shoot it. So sometimes, because he hasn't recognized good shot, bad shot, he's taken some some bad shots that have influenced him in a negative way in his field goal stat, particularly from the three point line. Uh, the thing that's really made him the score he is is his ability to get fouled. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the last seven or eight games of LSU; he's probably averaging making nine free throws a game. Uh, so he his ability to get fouled and get to the free throw line generates the points that he's not making because his field goal stat has been low. Uh, so I think also the coaches in the SEC, I think, have watched him on tape. They know what his tendencies are. They made it a little tougher for him to catch it, make him catching it farther out. And LSU's going to have to help this young man uh, as we move forward here. We got Alabama tomorrow night with some screens off the ball, not to get him wide open for a shot, just when he catches the ball to have an edge on the defender and then let him decide if he wants to shoot it off the screen away from the ball or shot fake it and drive it to the goal and get fouled. All he needs is an edge and a crease, and he's very difficult to guard, particularly keeping him off the free throw line. Yeah, and and again, it's it's amazing how those points kind of sneak up too. You're like, how did he score 28? Then you realize he had 11 from the line throughout the game. And uh, Sharif Cooper kind of in that same realm uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, But coach, a guy on LSU that that I love to watch play last year. And uh, I don't mean to single guys out, but it's because he's so talented. And I think he's going to end up being a heck of a player. But Trendon Watford, to me, is a guy I thought was going to take another step offensively. Uh, we know he's able to bully guys back down. He's really great above the rim. Uh, but I haven't really seen him add anything, any elements uh, offensively. Super talented. Uh, I know he's a heck of a kid, too. Uh, what do you need to see from Trendon Watford? Because to me, I think he's a guy that could really get LSU going. Well, here's what he's not going to be. Uh, he's not going to be a, a, a one of an explosive athlete that plays above the rim. He's not that kind of player. He he's more of a a he understands how to play. He's crafty around the goal with his right hand, left hand. Uh, he uses ball fakes and shot fakes to his advantage. I think he understands. He's not a pogo stick type of player, not a great shot blocker around the rim, but he does know how to play. And, and what he also can do is when they run him to the low post and they throw it to him, he, he's very good one-on-one at the low post, scoring around the goal. Now, he's had a few problems lately with people not fouling and blocking his shot, but also when they double down on him, He's very good at passing the ball out of the post and has a nice sixth sense about where the open offensive player is once the double team comes. So I, I think he's better this year. I think he's I think he's uh, improved himself. He's stronger. He's got long arms, but he's not an explosive athlete. And I'm interested to see how he progresses the rest of the season. And then he's going to have a decision to make. And I'm interested to see the feedback he gets on where he's going to be uh, in that NBA draft. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting uh, for all the reasons you just said. Not a super-duper athlete, but but does things very cerebral. Uh, I think crafty is a great word to describe him around the rim because he is sometimes with his putbacks. And, and I think he has a great pump fake, which to me is the best move in basketball. But uh, I guess that's just from a guy that wasn't able to dunk. Uh, I guess it has to be the best move. I call, I call it, not in, a, in a complimentary way, I, I call it he's got an old man's game. <laughs> <laughs> i got to use that, Coach. i got to steal that one because that's – <laughs> way better than what I had. I'm gonna have to tell. He gets you in trouble with some ball fakes, shot fakes, you know, and 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 step arounds and those sort of things. That that if you're not a great athlete, at least he knows who he is yeah. and what he can and can't do. And I think that's important for a player in his development. I, I agree. An old man's game. I like that. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. But uh, coach winding down here with uh, two time SEC coach of the year. Uh, you can find him calling uh, the color on the LSU basketball games now. Coach John Brady. And, Coach, I want to talk about Kentucky. Uh, It's kind of a weird year for Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, kind of not what we're used to. Uh, But when you look at this Kentucky team, uh, you got guys like B.J. Boston that are super talented, really hasn't clicked yet. But I just kind of look around the roster, and and I watch the way they play, and they don't have that guy like you brought up earlier that they can go to, whether it's Emmanuel Quigley or, uh, you know, Tyler Ulis or any of the guys that we've seen in the past that when they need a bucket, they can go to the guy and get that bucket they need to either put the game away, get themselves back in it, or get some momentum. Have you seen the same thing? Yeah, and I think what Kentucky doesn't have, what Calipari has had in the past, is a really – Big time point guard or someone who can make a play, and, and I don't think I don't think the Kentucky team has a real outstanding point guard that can make the team better, make himself better, and make the players around him better. I think they're struggling to find that continuity, which lends itself to you know good flowing offense. I think they're a pretty good defensive team. They have some athletes around the goal that can block some shots, but I think their biggest issue has been on the offensive end. They really hadn't found a rhythm, and then coupled with that. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They're, they're always at the rim. They have to score, you know, within 10 feet of the goal consistently. That's their best. And sometimes when they're not making threes at all, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty easy to guard or they're predictable in how you can guard them. When when they beat LSU, they made eight threes in the game and, and they averaged making about six and a half. So they shot the ball pretty well against us. They were able to beat LSU. But I think their biggest issue is the point guard situation and the flow they have offensively. I don't think they've ever found a rhythm with that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And again, it's just so weird to see Kentucky not have a guy that they can go to and get a bucket. I remember Quigley making crazy shots last year on the drive, what he was able to do. Left and right was incredible. But last question, Coach, before I let you go, uh, you coached a lot of big-time guys. You've watched a lot of big-time guys. You've forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. Who was the greatest? And, and again, there may be two. Uh, it doesn't have to just be one. But who was the greatest player that you either coached or coached against that you just saw in general uh, as a college head coach? Well, one of the most exciting players that I ever saw, and I, I, I tried to recruit him when I was at Mississippi State, but he wound up going to LSU, was was, was Chris Jackson when he was in high school. Uh, and he and then he came to LSU, and he was probably the most exciting guard. I was at Mississippi State as an assistant coach when he was playing for Coach Brown. Uh, and, and he's still today one of the most exciting players uh, that I've ever seen play on the, on the collegiate level. And, and there've been, there've been, you know, several others, but, but that one in particular, if anybody ever watched him in college, 
you know, his first college game, SEC game on the road in Gainesville, he goes for 50. What? And, and there's there's not many people can do that or, or 45 or oh whatever it was. But, but Chris Jackson was probably the most exciting uh, player uh, that I have seen on the college level. I, well, Coach, I'm going to have to go watch some of those uh, those highlights when we get off the phone. I'm, I'm interested to see that coming from you. I, I know he must be a dog then. But, Coach, man, I uh, love getting you on. I appreciate you taking some time. I'd love to get you back. Uh, I know you said you're calling the, uh, the color for the LSU basketball games. Everybody go check that out. Uh, great stuff. i got a ton more questions for you, Coach. I, I just know you're a busy man. I'd love to have you back sometime. Anytime. Just give me a buzz, and we'll set something up. Love to. All right, Coach. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Okay, thank All right, you. Bye. All right, that was former LSU, Arkansas, and Arkansas State head basketball coach John Brady giving us an update from his perspective, a guy that's coached a lot of basketball, seen a lot of basketball, understands the ins and outs of the game, and I thought great perspective uh, on offense, uh, just the way that coaches are kind of allowing guys to play and take advantage of space, uh, which is a lot like, guess what? the NBA and I think that's where uh, the game is heading style wise whether you like it or not and uh, uh, again there's logical point of views on both sides of that uh, I just want to get to the point where we've got experienced guys in the tournament to make the tournament games that much more better before they take that next step but thank you guys so much as usual for joining us got more great stuff on the way so stay tuned in on in the studio doing his thing it's been another edition of the J-Boy show J-Boy's going 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 going, going.